I'm saying every mother needs to hear what we're going to say this morning. Amen. If you're a grandparent, you need this. If you plan to become a father or a mother, you need this. If you have a father, all right, maybe not. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What we're going to talk about today online is so critical to fathering, to parenting, to how we raise our kids. It's going to change your life if you take what I'm talking about seriously today. And I'm telling you something. I've, this thing's been bubbled up inside of me because, ah, oh man, it's been, ugh, I've been, I've, I've had this compassion for our, the next generation. I have this compassion for how we are raising our kids. I have this compassion, this, this burning desire to help people recognize that some of the stuff we're doing is off, man. And I, I want help. So, Will you allow me to help you this morning? All right, well then, just close your eyes with me. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We submit our ears, hearts, eyes, everything, Lord, to you and say, God, speak to me. Help me to leave here different, changed. Help me, Lord God, to be a, a different person because I've experienced and met up with you. God, I ask you personally, Lord, that you would wear me like a coat that Father... You would be the substance of everything that's said today. I pray, Father, that people would hear your voice, not mine, in the deep inner core of their hearts, and that they will leave here different because of Jesus. We promise to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. Grab your seats real quick. Today we're going to be talking about two priorities of a father. Listen, I had three, but Pastor Paula told me I had 25 minutes and so now I have two. And I hope I can get it done in the 25 minutes. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor just like Pastor Jonathan, a student pastor. And I used to um, always, you know, you're counseling teenagers all the time, counseling them. And one of the things I find out with teenagers, teenagers had issues, man. Like teenagers have issues, but teenagers, a lot of teenagers had issues with their parents. The amount of teenagers that have to walk through forgiving of their parents was incredible. And teenagers come up to me, all kind of issues. And one of the things I recognized, there was this pattern that would happen, is that more teenagers had issues with their fathers than anybody else. A lot of times it was, you know, fathers were absent and, you know, fathers weren't, just weren't there. And one of the things I realized was that there was this kind of, um, there was this distance that would take place between fathers. It, it's almost like, here's, here's the refrain I'd hear all the time. My father doesn't know me. Think about that. My father doesn't know me. And, and it didn't matter if the father was there or not there. It didn't matter if the father was a Christian or not a Christian. It didn't matter if the father uh, provided everything or just didn't have a job. None of that really mattered as to this one phrase. My father doesn't know me. And I walked through and I said like, you know, most of them, most of them couldn't wait till... They left home because they thought, once I leave, I ain't never going back. Oh, don't look at me like that because some of you are doing that right now. Some of you are like, I, I, I was that. 
I was that teenager who said, once I leave, I am never, never going back. Because there was this alienation between parent and child, and the child couldn't wait to leave. You know what's worse? When the parent can't wait for the child to leave. Well, some in here. <laughs> and, and, and you see, that was kind of thing. And now I know teenagers, you know, let me tell you, I was a teenager. And look, half of the distance between me and my father was my fault. Amen? Man, I used to go up to my room, just slap myself in my room. I didn't want to interact with anybody. And so that's how I was. So I understand it. But as a youth pastor, looking at these kids and then talking to these parents and hearing the parents and hearing the youth, I said to myself, there must be a better way to parent than this. I'm talking to somebody here. And a lot of us are just like that. There are a lot of you in here who don't want anything to do with your parents. In fact, when your parent number come up on your phone, you're like, oh my God. What do I want now? Right? A lot of you in here are like that. A lot of you in here, you are glad when they said unto me, come, let us leave this house and go to college. Praise the Lord. And so, I don't want that for you and your kids. I want something better for you. I want something better for you. And because I want something better for you, I believe that what God wants to talk to us today is really going to help to shift some of that in your life and some of that in your kid's life. Now, Galatians says this. This is really cool in Galatians chapter 3 verse 20. Um, this is the Amplified. I don't usually use the Amplified, but I felt like the Amplified really spoke to me. So here, here we go. It says this, Galatians 2.20. Children, obey your parents. As God's representatives in all things. Let's stop right there because can I tell you something? This is a scripture that I taught my child when they were two years old. Anybody like this is the first scripture you teach a child? Amen. Hey, you know what the Bible says? Children, obey your parents. <laughs> and then it says this. Oh, for this attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing at um, to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessing. So everybody loves that scripture who is a parent. Here's a scripture that we don't talk about. Come on. Next verse. Fathers. How come we memorize the scripture for the children but we don't memorize the scripture for ourselves? Fathers. Do not Here's where I fail. Provoke. I already failed this scripture right here. I'm already done. My kids are like, oh my God, Dad, you're so annoying. Oh my Jesus. Oh my God. Dad, can you please stop? You're so annoying. Right? Do not provoke or, watch this, irritate or exasperate. What are you talking about? You know, like when you're on the sidelines and you're shouting, move, run up, run up. And the coach is like, um, sir, I'm the coach. I saw, this, I saw this thing on, I don't know, some video the other day where some parents are fighting each other because of a, a T, what do you call it, T-ball? Is that what you call it? T-ball. And it's like full-on blast fight because the referee made some kind of call that they didn't like. I was like, this is crazy. That's exasperating your children. I remember one time Amanda was, uh, I took her to swim practice and she's swinging, swimming and I'm up in the stands. And I'm like, she ain't doing it right. So I went downstairs. And I go, hey, 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 come, come here. No, no, when you swim. And the coach is like, <clears throat> uh, parents are supposed to sit in the stands. 
You know what the guy said to me? Sir, I have 15 years of coaching experience. Oh, I feel so ashamed. <laughs> Do not exasperate your children. Watch this. Watch this. It says, oh, my scripture went. All right. I have it written here. It's all right. <laughs> With demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating. You ever demand your children to something that's humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference? Oh, this is where a lot of fathers get hit. Indifference. Like it don't really matter. Like what? Somebody somebody did what? That they stopped talking to you? Oh well. You'll get over it. Mm. Indifference. Indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. Listen, fathers, the power of your words, the power of your attitude, the power of your response is so strong that it will break your child's spirit. You can break it or build it. Your involvement in your kids' lives will break or build your child's spirit. You know, the Bible says that, look, a sick body, man, people can, can be with a sick body, but a broken spirit, who can stand? A broken spirit. And you have the power to do that. And so when I read this scripture, I was like, God, you have to help me figure out how to live this. How do I live? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And, and how do I live that? And there are three quotes that really helped me to formulate my vision as a father, and I want to help you with this. So, the first one was from a guy named Stephen Covey, wrote a book years ago called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And here's what he said. He said, imagine that you're at your own funeral, and up on the stage goes your children, and what would you want your children to say about you at your funeral? Then he says, live that now. Whatever you want them to say about you then, live it now. I was in college when I read that, and that changed my life. I sat down and thought about every person. What would I want my wife to say? What would I want my children to say? What would I want my boss to say? What would I want my friends to say? And I said, that is who I want to be today in order to become that when I'm dead. Because what I want people to say about me when I'm dead is the true vision I have for my life from now. Are you hearing me? Second quote. John Maxwell. John Maxwell said, uh, the, the, how we define success is what determines what we do in life. And so our definition of success determines the path we take. And so his definition for success was this. I want those who are nearest or know me the most to respect me the most. Is that what it says? Who know me best to respect you the most. Those who know me best to respect me the most. What does that mean? If my children and my wife can respect me, it means I'm living a life of integrity. It means I'm living right if the people who know me best respect me the most. Here's a third quote. Andy Stanley. He said about him and his wife, our goal was to raise children who would want to be with us and each other 
when they don't have to be. Will your children want to be with you when they have a choice? Woo! That, that is what I held on to and said, that's what I want. Because here's what I realized, that regardless of how good my children behaved, if at the end of them behaving all this good, they don't want to be near me, that not won't make no sense. And here's the other thing I realized, no matter how good they behave, it's probably because they're lying about how they're behaving. I'm just saying. So I figure, I better want them to be close, so when they behave bad, they'll let me know they're behaving bad. Okay, all right, don't worry about it. We're getting there. And so here are two priorities for a godly father. First priority, prioritize your unique God-given role or your unique leadership role. I want want to let you understand this. Uh, There is a unique role that you have as a father that nobody else can do but you. All right, prioritize your unique leadership role. Listen to what I'm saying. There is something that you do that no one else can do in the world. It is not your job. On your job, if you die today, somebody's going to do your job tomorrow. Where you volunteer, if you die today, somebody's, believe me, where the truth going to find somebody, we're going to have your funeral. We're going to tell good stories. We're going to cry over you. We're going to eat food. But somebody is going to volunteer in your role tomorrow. Hello, come on now. It's not we don't love you. We love you. But let me tell you something. If you die today, you are still your children's father. I'm telling you, nobody can take that. They don't go turn around and say, hey, that person became my new father. No, 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 no. That's my stepfather. That's my, that's my mentor. That's, a, that's my father figure. But nobody's going to take the title father from you. You are the only father to your children. Hey, mothers, same thing for you. Same thing for mothers. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. A lot of times what we end up doing is prioritizing our roles that other people can take over the role that nobody else can take. I need you to hear this, Father. I need you to hear this. Hear, hear, hear this. Here's it. Don't give up what's unique to you for something someone else can do. Don't give up what is unique to you for something somebody else can do. Somebody can start that business. Somebody else can be on that line. Somebody else can get, I'm telling you, somebody else can do it. But when it comes to your fathering, there's only one you. So you got to ask yourself, am I prioritizing other? And let me tell you something. Let me explain something to you. I'm, a, I'm one of these guys that, I love achieving stuff. I like checking off. You know, like, like you know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if I do something that it wasn't on my to-do list, I add it to my to-do list so I can check it off. At the end of the day, I like to see lots of checks. Anybody following me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the problems sometimes with hanging out with your kids is like it don't feel like something's getting done. It don't feel like we're doing nothing. 
It don't feel like progress. It doesn't feel like we're earning. It doesn't feel like we're checking off. It don't feel like we're doing better than. There's nothing, there's no sports in it. There's no growth. It doesn't feel like anything's going anywhere. And because of that, we can get into the, um, the addiction of progress, the addiction of accomplishment, and therefore look at the things that don't feel accomplishing as second best, as not worth my time. Things like playing checkers, or chess, or cards, or riding on the bicycle. Or telling stories. Uh, and sometimes what happens is that we get so caught up in what we do rather than who we are and, and can be that we leave out father for something that some boss says, good job. But ain't nobody telling us good job when we spend time washing the dishes with the baby. Nobody gonna tell us good job when we're wiping the nappy. Nobody gonna tell us good job when we sit down eating with a child. Nobody tell us good job when we're listening to the stories from recess. Nobody tell us good job about that and so sometimes what we do is feel like that is less important are you following me you gotta prioritize your unique leadership role nobody else can do it besides you the Deuteronomy um, chapter 6 verse 6 7 God told him all these commandments and he said this. Your job as a father is to teach these things to your children. He says, impress them on their hearts. And here's how he says, do it. Listen, listen to this. He says, uh, talk about them when you sit at home. When you sit at home, you ain't doing nothing. You're sitting at home eating dinner. Talk, to, talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, that's when you're taking them to school. When you lie down, that's when you're putting them to bed. And when you get up, that's when you're making breakfast in the morning for them. Come on, dads. Come on. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. You want to say the biggest word in that? In that? The biggest word in that? Is when. When. When do you do this? When do you spend the time? Because children spell love, T I. M-E. We'll say it again. Children spell love T-I-M-E. Not M-O-N-E-Y. Not G-I-F-T-S. Not C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. <laughs> because sometimes we think that once we take care of those things, then love is in the air. No, love not in no air. Not in the air. Wasn't the air for you when you were growing up? It ain't in the air for them. Oh no. Time, time, time. Men have a tendency to be such good go-getters at work. Man, they can boom, boom, boom. They get on the job and they're like, yeah. And everybody's like, man, that guy works so hard. And then they come home and they just get passive. They give over the leadership to their... To your wives. Who won't discipline the children? Oh, babe, you take care of it. Hey, you know, that didn't turn into homework. Oh, babe, uh, had a long day at work. You deal with it. I just want to watch some news. I just want to watch some sports. Cowboys playing. LeBron, come on. 
Babe, just deal with it. Deal with the children. Deal with the children. Deal with the children. Hello. Deal with the children. Deal with the children. Where's the time? Deal with the children. Where's the when? Deal with the children. And we become passive and laid back and chill and backseat when it comes to the home. But man, we're so aggressive at work. We're so assertive at work. We're so involved at work. We're such a man at work. We're so good. We're just, uh, uh. What, what, what happened? What happened? What's going on? Let me, let me tell you something that my wife and I learned years and years and years ago um, about four stages of parenting because this kind of helps you to realize how you need to act in each stage. First stage is zero to five. It's called the discipline years. The discipline years, right? Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. All right, the discipline years. That's right and wrong, black and white. Listen, you don't need to sit down with a four-year-old and explain the whys of running into the road or the whys of do it. You, you don't need to go in the wrong. That's wrong. That's just wrong. You don't do that. No. No is a really powerful word to a zero, two, three, four, five-year-old. Very, very powerful. Because guess what? That's the first word they learn. Hello. So they know that word. So you just need to use that word. That's the word you need to use. All right. Five to twelve. It's called the training years. Training years. This is where now you're explaining stuff. You're helping them understand. This is why it's wrong. This is why it's wrong. You start to help them. Because you see, before that, they have no sense. That they can only think in concrete terms. Right? They don't have abstract thinking. But right here is where they start to grow in their abstract thinking. So now, you start to explain to them relationship, daddy, mommy. This is, where, this is what you're doing. Right? And you're helping them to understand what's wrong, what's right through, through training. You control them. Twelve. To 18. Praise the Lord. These are the coaching years. Now let me tell you something. The coaching years is hard. For the parent. Because that sweet 12 year old. All of a sudden switched at 14. And you don't know what happened. Remember when you used to say hey. Just make sure you go to bed, turn off the light, and that. And now, 14 years old, you're like, didn't you hear me say, go to bed and turn? Well, I'm not sure why staying up late is so wrong. <laughs> I mean, according to the internet, a person only needs eight hours of sleep. And if I calculate correctly, <laughs> this is it the tough, tough, tough years? Uh, tough years, tough years, tough years. Tough years, all of a sudden now everybody have an opinion. There's tough years, you know, tough. So here's what, we call them coaching years. The coaching years. Here's, here, here's the thing about coaching. You're not on the field with the player when you're coaching. You understand? You're not on the field with the pra- player when you're coaching. So here's what you have to do with coaching years. You have to allow some natural consequences to take place during the coaching years. Come on now, I'm telling you. You have to allow some natural consequence to take place when you're coaching. Because here's the coaching. The coaching years is that you're creating a safe environment for them to make some mistakes that they can learn from. But if you keep saving them instead of allowing them to learn, then the only time they're going to make the mistakes is when they're out there. So it's better for them to scrape the car in the driveway than to crash the car on the highway. Come on now, somebody. What you can do is drive the car for them. So coaching you, this is what happened with the prodigal son. I know the prodigal son was about 17. I know that. I saw it to my own kids. He was 17. 
17 years old. Hey, dad, guess what? Give me my money. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, see ya. You know what? Incredible. Prodigal son is really about the father. It's not really about the son. The prodigal son is about the father, not about the son. Because trust me, if I was the father, we would have a problem with that. But Jesus was talking about the attitude of the father toward the son. That was the whole point of the story. Was to let you know how God was like. And what did he do? He didn't tell the son, you ain't going. He didn't tell the son, you better sit down and get... get, get, get. He didn't say, no. You know what the father did? I'm going to allow natural consequences to teach you a lesson. Have you noticed what happened with the prodigal son when he came back? The father didn't even punish him. Why not? The boy was already punished. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is the age that you give them wisdom, not information. You cannot out inform anybody born after 1990. Can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Listen, they have Google, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, you didn't, look, they, are, they know more about more than you would ever know in your lifetime. You can't do it. Can't do it. So it don't make sense to even try and information for information. That's not going to work. Pastor Paul, is my time done already? Oh my God. Pastor Evan, they said, take my time, take my time, take my time, take my time. Listen, you can't out-inform them. You got to give them wisdom. What's the difference between wisdom and information? Listen, information is, is just, uh, information is just, well, this said, well, that said. Listen, wisdom is, let me tell you about my life. Oh my gosh. And my kids, man, talking to me about, well, I mean, like premarital sex. Can we talk about that, Dad? Because like, let me tell you, they, what I found on the internet was that, you know, that Christians, they're just trying to, you know, suppress and oppress the sexual identity. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And those guys, it's like, all right, I, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, guys. So I'm a pastor. And let me tell you something about pastoring. A lot of people come to me for counsel. And I've never heard anybody come to me and say, man, I wish I had more sex before I got married. But I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I wish I had waited. That's not information, guys. That's wisdom. I talked to my son the other day. I said, hey, um, what, is it that, what are some of the things that caused you to feel close to me? He said, you know what? The stories you tell me about yourself are the things that make me go, this guy can identify with me. This guy. This guy can identify with me. I don't feel alone. I don't feel like it's strange what I'm going through because you shared. We are so afraid to share the stuff that we went through because we think our kids will use it as ammunition to do what we did. Listen, there are no guarantees they won't. But can I tell you, if they do, they'll talk to you. Because you understand. And if you don't, they don't think you do. So they're going to talk to somebody else. Or you better hope that person loves Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is too much. 
Um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I have to move on. All right, so here are two problems. Here are two problems with this thing. Number one is when you, uh, oh, 18 and up is the last one. I'm so sorry. 18 and up, stage four, 18 and up is the friendship years. All right, don't try to be the friends before 18 and up. There are too many parents who are trying to be friends with a 12-year-old and putting all of their problems and issues on a 12-year-old's shoulder. When the 12-year-old needs to the emotional support of the parent, the parent is looking at the 12-year-old for their emotional support. Hear me, hear me now, this is so sweet. And the reason is because you're looking to get from your 12-year-old what you should have been getting from your spouse or another adult. Stop it! Don't be talking about, oh, she's my best friend and we're sisters and stuff. No, you ain't. Sorry, that sounded very female. I'm sorry. That was a, a, a very mother-mother example. But guys do it too, so don't, don't, don't take it wrong. Watch this. Here, here's, here's what I find with dads though. Dads will get so laid back during the first two stages. Oh man, during the coaching, during the training and all of that. And then all of a sudden they reach teenage years and now he wants to get involved. So he don't get involved as no coach. He gets involved as like the Terminator. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Who, who are you going out with? Who, who is that? Why, 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 what? What? Come here. Come back. No, no, you can't come in at this time. And all of a sudden now, he's trying to control somebody he wasn't involved with for the first part of their life. All right. Hey. All right, number two, number two, number two, I, I need to go on. Number two, prioritize relationship over rules. Prioritize relationship over rules. Uh, the Old Testament was about laws and commandments. The New Testament is about relationship and love. Watch this, it's so critical. Old Testament, 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613 commandments in the Old Testament. New Testament, two. think about that hey Jesus what are the most important what's the most what is the most important commandment in all the law love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself upon these two watch this upon these two things watch this, these two this is so critical hang all the law and the prophets. What's Jesus saying? Just saying, listen, if you prioritize relationships, the doing stuff becomes easy. But if you're looking at the doing stuff, hey, what's the checklist, 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 checklist? Did I do this right? Did I do this right? Did I do this right? He says, you see, you can't behave yourself into love. Come on, oh my God. We can love yourself into behavior. If I love you, I won't steal from you, lie to you, cheat on you. I won't, that's just, I'm not keeping a checklist of did I steal, did I lie. No, no, because I just love. So Jesus flipped the whole script. And what happens to us is that we parent from an Old Testament perspective instead of a New Testament perspective. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you right now. Jesus. Ugh. So we go, hey, let me tell you, remember all the rules. 
we got all the rules. We can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. When you do this, wash up the dishes. I had to throw that one there. So, right, all these rules. And I just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What if we taught them relationship? I love when the prodigal son comes home, the prodigal son comes home and he says this, he says this, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against heaven. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And against you and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took it one step higher and he said this. He said, uh, I want you to, this new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. How, how has Jesus loved you? Can you love your kids the way Jesus loved you? How has he loved you? Accepted you? With all your junk? Forgave you? With all your junk? Oh, oh watch this, watch this. Love is patient with you oh my gosh patient with you remember how many times he told you hey you need to stop and you're like all right last time lord last time and he said all right all right come on come on i got you come on let's go and you go and you say okay last time and he said oh, look, come on last time come on come on it's okay i'm with you i'm with you you remember that you remember that you remember that you remember that and then your child goes oh daddy i'm so sorry i, I did it again and you're like what Patient with you. What's patient with you? It means uh, Jesus, Jesus, watch this, watch this. He's walking at your pace. Oh, you, you, you should give me a bigger clap for that. that. You should have, that should be bigger right here. Jesus is walking at your pace. Can you walk at the pace of your child? Come on. We got it. We're going to do it. It's okay. You're like, man, I should be over there a long time. But it's okay. Can you just take your time and be patient with him? I'm going I'm to finish up now. Pastor Paula, I promise you, I'm going to finish up now. All right, so how does a godly father prioritize relationship? All right, three, three C's real quick. Correction, connection, comfort. Correction, connection, comfort. Um, correction means be firm. Be firm. This is important. Be firm as a father. Uh, there are three disses in our house. There are three ways he can diss us in our house. Three disses. One, dishonesty. Two, disobedience. Three, disrespect. That's it. Is there, how many rules in your house? Dishonesty, disobedience, disrespect. Finish. Done. That's it. Okay? Three disses. And so those are the only things in our house that you could get like punished for. Right? Any kind of... Uh, and, and disrespect especially towards... Their mother. Their mother. Because dads, if you teach your children to respect their mother, they will respect you. Listen. Teach them and model it. Because then you teach your daughters what to expect from a man and you teach your sons how to treat a woman. Man, I'm giving you more stuff than... Look, you can take all... Uh, look, you, you, uh, this is... Okay, here, here it is, here it is. 
correct towards relationship, not rules. This is still in relationship because here's, here's the deal. Sometimes when so our children do something wrong, we don't let them understand. It's not about the rule that they broke. It's about the relationship that they hurt. This is how you flip Old Testament to New Testament. Old Testament was just, you broke a rule. New Testament, you hurt somebody. So when my kids lie to me, I go, man, you know what you just did? Do you know what you just did? You broke my trust. Oh my God, you broke my trust. I don't know how you're going to rebuild that. I didn't say, well, the Bible says you should not lie. And that's why, you know, you, you hurt daddy. Daddy is hurt because you broke. I thought I could trust you. And you broke my trust. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that right now. Because I have to figure out how to help you rebuild my trust in you. That is more powerful than the Bible says, do not lie. Because if I teach them, watch this, watch this, watch this. If I correct towards the rules, then all they have to do is try and find out how close they can go to breaking it without breaking it. If I correct towards the rules, when they break it, they just hide it. I never know they do. But if it's about the relationship, they don't want to hurt the relationship. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What comes first? Love. All right. So the goal of discipline, always say this with me, the goal of discipline is a repaired relationship. The goal of discipline is a repaired relationship. One more time. The goal of discipline is a repaired relationship. Not perfect behaving children. Some of you think you have perfect behaving children. They're lying to you. Alright. Correction. Be firm. Connection. Have fun. Fathers, have fun with your kids, man. Spend time doing nothing. Have fun. Do nothing. Have fun. Do nothing. Family night, dates, all kind of things, or movies. Have fun. Do nothing. Last thing, comfort. Show feelings. Be firm. Have fun. Show feelings. All right. This is the tie. The reason why many of you don't want to go back to your parents' house is because you weren't comforted as a child when you were emotionally hurt. The number one reason why people have issues in their relationships, in their marriages, in their parenting with other people is because they were not comforted when they had emotional issues when they were kids. And what happened to them is that they had to figure out how to deal with their own emotions themselves. And oftentimes, the parents could have been stressed, things could have been happening, understand all of that, but here's the problem. If you're left as a kid needing emotional comfort because Tommy took your toy away and your father just said, oh, just shut up, 
I'll get you another one. What is your problem? Or because Johnny, when he was on the playground, he accidentally hit you. And you're the, or, or Mary, who was your best friend, is now not talking to you and talking to somebody else. And all of these crises for a 5 and 6 and 7 year old, but for a 30 and 36 year old is foolishness. What happens is you grow up thinking, I can't share my emotions. I can't share. My parents don't understand And that five-year-old, when they turn 15, goes, how am I going to tell them that I have some kind of sexual disease? If they wouldn't listen to me when Sally stopped talking to me, why would they listen to me now? I want you to hear me. The issue, fathers, is to bring comfort to your children, to have feelings and be okay with it the amount of men that have cried on my shoulder because they couldn't cry on their own fathers I'm telling you I'm telling you your sons need a shoulder to grab your daughters need a daddy to hug and to say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so today, here's what I want you to leave with. Be firm, have fun, and show feelings. Listen, if you prioritize your relationships over the rules, your children will want to come back again and again because my daddy understands me. Come on, if you got something out of today, put your hands together and bless him. Bow your heads real quick. It's late. But listen to this. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. I believe He wants to talk to some people who was not who were not comforted. In fact, let me start with this. There's some people here. You still live at your parents' home. And you can't wait to leave. You cannot wait to leave. Because you don't feel that comfort. You don't feel that understanding. You don't feel like your parents really know you. I feel like God wants to talk to you today and has been talking to you. There's some of you here, you, you weren't comforted when you were growing up and you don't ever want to go back home and right now you're just like, you don't want nothing to do with your earthly father. But your heavenly father wants to comfort you today. And then finally, dads, some of you heard me today and you go, I'm not doing that. I haven't been doing that. But I understand. I get it. But let me tell you something. It's never too late to start. I've seen men do this with adult children and turn it around. 
it's never too late to start what I'm telling you. It's never too late to start. It just starts with these words. I understand where you're coming from. I see it now. I get it. That's it. That's where it starts. So if you're in any of those positions this morning, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hands, just almost like you're receiving from the Lord. Just raise them. I'm just going to pray over you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're in the position where you go, you know what? My parents just don't understand me. My father don't understand me. I, I just, you know, oh. I want you to release that to the Lord. Because the only way He can bring you comfort is if you release that from you and say, you know what? God, you take it. I release Him and I release it today. On this Father's Day. Raise your hands wherever you are. Just lift both hands just like this. Father, in Jesus' name, you see every hand lifted in here. Man, there's so many, so many people. I pray in Jesus' name, you'd give them the grace to forgive in the name of Jesus. The grace to release, the grace to let go of every offense, every hurt caused by a father right now in Jesus' name. And that father, even as they release this and say, Lord, I forgive my father. That, Father, you would come in as the comforter. Holy Spirit, your word says that you are the comforter. Come in and comfort right now. Bring peace, understanding, wipe every tear, minister in Jesus' name. And for every father who has his hands up saying, I want to be a father who, who is firm, who has fun, and who has feelings, shows feelings. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to walk this out. To put relationship over rules. To put their unique leadership position over every other position in their lives. And to live as you've called them to live. I thank you for it now, Lord God. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart.